Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 so we see his immorality in the first four verses but we see god's intervention begin in verses five and six and this is what happens it says immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. By the way, where it says his limbs gave way, in the Hebrew it's more graphic. It's actually he wet his pants would be a more accurate translation. Now, I want you to know God isn't sitting in the bleachers on this one and going to watch the game play out. He's actually now actively getting involved in the situation, he actually crashes the party. And how many know that God doesn't need permission to crash a party? He's gonna do what he wants when he wants because he's sovereign, even if it's the king's party. If you were to walk into the king's party, Belshazzar's party, and say, what are you doing with that stuff? Hey, show some reverence, it would be off with your head. But God just breaks in and he does something very unusual. He begins to write the judgment, which we'll see in a moment, on the plaster of the wall. And that's an amazing thing because I wanna show you a couple other pictures. There were excavations of Babylon from 1899 to 1917 by an archeologist named Robert Coldaway and it yielded some interesting finds. He actually wrote a book, if you can throw that picture up there. This is the book, if you wanna read it, you can get a copy somewhere. Amazon may have them, I'm not sure if Amazon still has them, but it talks about his excavations and his finds that are in Babylon and he actually says they found this room in Daniel 5. They found this room. Go to the next uh, picture. I wanna show you this one, blow that up. This is the Southern Palace. Again, this is Google, and that's not an artist's conception there. They've actually rebuilt some of the walls. They found the original walls of the Southern Palace. Now, that Southern Palace, there was a Northern Palace. That Southern Palace right there is 350 yards by 200 yards. So you're looking at three and a half football fields by two football fields is the size of that palace. Now go to the next picture. Here's where it, where it finds, see that throne room right there? That is almost 10,000 square feet. The, the measurements were 170 by 56 feet. It's almost 10,000 square feet. And he excavated that. Go, go to the next uh, slide. And that, that's like a, a wide angle, you know, it doesn't do justice to the size of the room. Is there another picture there? Um, so there's a lady standing there. That's where, you know how it opened up and it said he drank in front of all the lords. I told you to underline that. 
the archaeological evidence says he would have been sitting there in front of all of them during this party. Now, here's the interesting thing. That called away when he excavated that, do you know what he found the walls to be made out of? Plaster. Just like Daniel 5 says. And he says again, bingo. There's, there's, there's the evidence. The archaeology is backing this up. So um, that's one of the places, by the way, that I want to go uh, someday. I want to go, go get into Iraq there and go into um, Babylon and see the excavations there. And Nebuchadnezzar um, or Saddam Hussein thought he was an incarnation of Nebuchadnezzar, and he actually built a palace above those palaces there in Babylon, where the original Babylon stood, because he felt he was saying to himself, I'm more powerful than even Nebuchadnezzar was. And that's pretty amazing because look at the fall and how his life ended. You see, so, so again, we're seeing this. So God's intervention is all of a sudden, now imagine if you're in a party and in this party with so many people and so many leaders there, and all of a sudden a hand appears. And the finger of, fingers start to write. I mean, it's like you would look at your glass and say, hey, somebody slipped me a Mickey, something's going, but no, everybody saw the same thing. And the reason the Bible says he, the writing took place on the wall opposite the candlestick was because they wanted everyone to see it. It, it was the best light in the house. It was shining on the walls, and there goes the writing. Now, the finger of God appears at different times in the Bible, we see that, like in Exodus 8, 19, when Moses went to the um, magicians there, when he was delivering the people out of Egypt, out of Pharaoh's hand, there was a series of judgments that God was bringing, miraculous judgments. One of those was gnats, and the magicians even recognized it, then, and this is the thing about magicians in this earth, there's times that they just recognize, man, this is something from above. This is something from above. And they did that too in 819. It says, then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. So God shows his finger there and it says, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Even though the magicians testify that this is the finger of God, Pharaoh thinks he's so high and mighty, he just gets a hard heart, he doesn't repent. He doesn't repent. Exodus 31, verse 18, when it came to the writing of the law that Moses delivered, it says, and he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with what? The finger of God. So we see where, where God's finger writes the law. In, in fact, creation, it says, was when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, the finger was a symbol of God's power. Now we often think of the right hand being a symbol of God's power, but it's just a finger. It's just a finger, the finger of God. When Jesus was doing his ministry and he begins to cast out demons, something that no other person can do, everybody he encountered, he wasn't wrestling with demons. He didn't wrestle with them. The only thing he wrestled with when it came to uh, Satan was when he was trying to be dissuaded from going to the cross. There was this battle going on in the garden and he said, not my will, but your will be done. You know the whole story. But when he comes 
and he shows up on the scene, it wasn't like Jesus was having a hard time with demons. He would just cast them out. And that was proof that he was who he said he was. In Luke 11, verse 20, it says, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then, of course, the woman, which is a beautiful story, caught in adultery in John chapter 8, the, um, the religious leaders and, and men bring her to Jesus wanting to test him because they felt she should have been stoned according to the law and everything else. And what does Jesus do? He stoops down and he writes in the ground. It says in verse 6 of John 8, it says, This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. The grace of God, the power of God, the law of God. You see these things with the finger of God mentioned throughout. This is the judgment of God. This is the judgment of God coming with Belshazzar. And what you need to see is that he is so visibly shaken right now that he literally turns white. The color goes out of him. And like I said, I believe that the Hebrew is leaning more that his loins gave out and he wet his pants. He was so worried about this. And God's divine intervention, what we see here, God intervening, is going to either lead to repentance or it's going to lead to judgment ultimately. It's always that way. It's always that way. God shows up on the scene. I want you to know that Belshazzar is not the only one watching this. There were probably others in the room that were kind of shuddering a little bit that he would even profane the things of God and put wine and use them as his party materials. Be like us taking something from the church and just snorting coke with it, you know, that some that we viewed as whole, that there were probably people that just kind of shuddered and were taken back while this writing's going on. But it's going to lead to either judgment or repentance all the time. God's interventions. God's interventions always lead to that. Now, I want you to see Daniel's integrity here because by now, understand this, that Daniel's kind of retired. He's he's served many years under Nebuchadnezzar. He's in his mid-80s right now, and he's not really handy for the administration. But here's what the Bible says. Um, Let's begin reading in verse 7. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. There it is again, third ruler of the kingdom. So as he calls this out, he's saying, look, I'll reward anyone, but now it's deja vu because you're going back to Daniel chapter 2 where all the wise men... All the enchanters, they could not interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar because wise men in the world that have no spiritual connection with God, there's no way they're going to interpret what God is doing. And that's what's happening here. And so he even gets, again, he loses the color. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed because they couldn't figure the thing out. So Daniel now comes up off the lips of the queen in verse 10. And the queen there is probably the queen mother because uh, Belshazzar's wives were in the party. 
They were, the concubines were in the party. This was probably Nabonidus' wife, and so she had pretty much a lot of authority. She's the queen mother, pretty much, what people think. And she comes in, and she offers him a suggestion. Look at verse 10. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. That ain't going to happen. We'll see at the end of the chapter. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Now, first notice that even though they don't know where Daniel's integrity comes from, they know he has it. what, What really she is saying is that he's got the Holy Spirit in him. She just doesn't know it. She just doesn't know it. So watch this. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, and a little side note there, Nebuchadnezzar is referred to his father, but really his grandfather. That was not uncommon to refer to grandchildren and even kings that would take the throne from somebody else. Remember Jesus, when he shows up in the New Testament, they say, Jesus, are you the son of David? And he wasn't his biological son, of course, but, and that's the same spirit here. Even though he wasn't his biological son, he was a grandson there. In the days of your father, light and understanding, wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Verse 12 is a key verse because it opens with a real interesting statement that Daniel had an excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit. And, and you won't find the word for excellent anywhere else in, in the Bible except the book of Daniel. It's used eight times, that word excellent. And what it's speaking of is it's speaking of exceedingly. It's so, it's, it's so radiant is what it is. In fact, that same word is used in Jan, Daniel chapter 2 of the shininess of the statue. Look at verse 31 of chapter 2. It's on the screen. You saw, O king, and behold a great image, this image mighty and of exceeding brightness. Same word, exceeding, is used there of excellence in chapter 5. So I want you to see what Daniel is in Babylon. In a dark world that knows not God, you've got a queen that saw his activity who heard about him, everything else. And here's a man of integrity because not he's pleasing people. Daniel's integrity never let him whitewash anything. He was always a truth teller. He always told the truth. He did it with Nebuchadnezzar, most powerful king, and he does it, he's gonna do it with Belshazzar. He's got this excellent spirit, this exceeding spirit, this thing that radiates from him is what they're saying. And that's really interesting to me because that's the very thing that would bring to mind the queen to get him to come in and solve the issue here. And this is a good word for Christians today, you guys. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and God is coming off your lips, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of wise people out there, but they're going to run into a problem eventually. Science can't solve the human heart issue. Um, Science can't put relationships back together. In fact, many of the worldly counselors are leading relationships down the wrong road. They're saying, oh, you know what? You're too far gone anyway. They do these little tests on personality and stuff. Say, you guys were never made for each other. We realize you were married 20 years and all of that, and boom, you're done. But then there's some simple-minded Christian comes along with the Bible and opens up the Bible, and all of a sudden, boom, things start to happen. Because that's what we're supposed to be in Babylon. I said it before, Babylon wasn't just a place, it represented the whole world system that is anti-God. And here we are, we're drunken party, handwriting on the wall, the wise men are perplexed, the astrologers are perplexed, all the counselors, they can't do anything, and what happens, Daniel's name comes up. Let's get him involved, and so we see as a chart, watch this. So because of an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, solve problems were found in this Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation in verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel. Now make note, you're that Daniel. You're that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah whom the king my father brought from Judah, I have heard of you. Now, understand, it wasn't just from the king that Belshazzar hears about Daniel. The queen just jogged his memory because everything like that of anyone who was of notoriety would have been written down, would have been read in their history books. And they didn't change their history books like we do today. But, but they would have been there, they would have been noted, everything else. So he says, I have heard, from, heard about you. You're that Daniel. I have heard about you. One, um, that the spirit of the gods is in you, testimony from the king, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretation, solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple, royalty, have a chain of gold around your neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom." So here's the deal, Daniel. You want wealth, you want position, you want power. Here's the way to get it, just tell it to me. And then his integrity comes out in the next verse again. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Daniel says to himself, I'm not going to prostitute the gifts of God. They're not for sale. God has given them to me freely. I receive freely. I give. It makes my heart sick when you see some of these televangelists on television wanting your money so they can pay for their jet fuel. 
or that they tell you, I'll sell you a cloth for so much money and it'll bring healing to you. And all they're doing is they're prostituting God's name. It, it does. It is angering when you get things across your desk constantly that there's people in Africa that can't get clean drinking water and, and clean water. That, that Some of them were dying because they couldn't wash their hands with clean water. And yet these guys are on television saying, send your checks in. And they're flying around in private jets as if, they, and that's, that, I'm going to tell you, that's their reward. They're the rich man, Lazarus. In Luke 16, Daniel was nothing like that. He said, keep your gifts. I don't do it for that. I do it for him. So you got this testimony. The Holy Spirit was evident in his life. They tried as hard as they could to define it. They just said the spirit of the gods. He had an excellent spirit. I just want you to see, because Daniel, one of the things that drew me to the book of Daniel was that I felt that Babylon was so parallel to our culture today, and Daniel was the radiant one. Him and his friends were so radiant in the midst of this darkness, and they didn't get to where they were and the influence that they had by doing and saying the wrong things in the name of God. I tell you all the time we have to love people into the kingdom. I preach different to the church than I do to the world. And so if you're a visitor today, I apologize ahead of time, just know that. But when you come to Christ, you'll know what I'm getting at with the church. So then we see Daniel's interpretation. And here's the amazing thing about his interpretation. Instead of just interpreting what God wrote on the wall, he's going to lay a foundation for Belshazzar. He's going to give a long introduction to this little meaty, um, interpretation of the writing on the wall. And this is so important for us to learn from. I want you to see this. He begins with a history of Nebuchadnezzar and, and how Nebuchadnezzar's failures and what he thought he was because Nebuchadnezzar was a much more powerful and greater king than Belshazzar was. And so he goes into this. What, look at verse 18. We're going to read on down. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. Look what Daniel's saying. He's saying your father Nebuchadnezzar, God gave him all that he had. The power that he had, his majesty, came from God's hands. This is what our leaders don't recognize today. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast and his dwelling was uh, with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. This is how Daniel's setting up the interpretation on the wall. He's saying, look, here's history. Here is history. Here's how God deals with kings that are stubborn. 
Here's how God deals with kings that are obstinate towards him. And, and, and he was so proud, but it was until Chris preached on that last week, chapter four, when he preached on Nebuchadnezzar, we saw how God took his mind. And that's what I mean. Whenever you look at what you have, we have no right to say we did it on our own because we could lose our health, we could lose our mind, we could lose everything overnight. I've seen some amazing things happen to prideful people that took me back. And I didn't say it was God's judgment. I wouldn't do that. But I saw people that were so physical and so mental and, and able to do so much, and all of a sudden they became incapacitated. We need to be grateful that God gives us what Daniel's going to say here. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977